You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. If you'll open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. Look there, please. I, I hope you've had a great week. I've, I know I've already said that, but um, the fall and then Thanksgiving are my favorite times of the year. And we say, well, you know why you like Thanksgiving, preacher. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. <laughs> well, um, I do. I enjoy Thanksgiving, and not just because of the mealtime and, and um, turkey and dressing and all the fixings and all that, but I, I just enjoy the family and and Jenny Byers got to come over and spend some time with us for Thanksgiving. We just, we just had some really good um, fellowship, and it was, uh, it was a real blessing. And I hope you've, I hope you've enjoyed your time and that uh, you've been able to stop and look around and see the blessings that are around you. I'm sure we can all look around and find things that are not a blessing. We all have those things. It's called life. Life happens in a very difficult way uh, many times. But stop and look at the blessings. They're all around you. And be, be willing to, to thank God for his blessings, you know. Uh, we're, we're in Ephesians, and I've uh, highlighted every message in Ephesians similar to what I'm going to say right now. Um, as you know that the book of Ephesians was given to um, basically a church, really, Christianity in general, and then he makes it more specific. While we're at church, what is a church supposed to look like and what does God expect out of his people? Guys, um, my dad used to come home from work and mom would say, son, you wait till your dad gets home. I knew what that meant. That meant you better get your chores done, you better be good, you better everything. And I knew I was going to look dad in the eye when he got home from work about, uh, oh, five something, and we would, all of us kids would run and try to get his lunch pail because he would always hold out a little bit of his dessert, a little snack that he, a little Debbie's cake or something for us. And but, but the one thing I knew that I would do is to stand in front of my dad and give an account for what my day was like. Have I done what I was told to do? And, and uh, how, how uh, did you get in any trouble today, bub? And why would dad ask me that? He's always asked, never asked my sisters, but he always asked me that. Um, but I knew I'd look him in the eye. And guys, knowing that we're going to look God in the eye and give an account for how our life was lived down here, don't you want to know what he expects of us and how we as a church ought to be living? And then in this little bit of time we have left, just give it all we got. He is so deserving of that. And I long to see my father in heaven and to be able to, to him to be able to say, you know, you, you did a good job. And we say, well done, now good and faithful servant. But I just want to hear God say that. I want to hear him look at Eastside Baptist Church and say, you guys, you guys really gave it your best shot. I know you had some struggles. We all did uh, uh, as human beings have struggles, but you did a good job. Man, I'd love to hear him say that. And so we need to hear what he's saying in the Word and find out what, and this is, these are passages that shows us how we are supposed to live. And if we're going to be, a, I've said this too, if we're going to make a good church for Christ, then we have to make good people at home and in our life. The way I live my life makes my church what it is. And so uh, all these things are for us 
in that way. I want to share with you this message today, and I'll bring you up to par here in just a moment, but this message is entitled, Imitate the Light. Imitate the Light. And let's, uh, let's read, if you will, Ephesians 5. We're going to pick up in verse 8. <clears throat> we read down, I think we actually read through verse 6 and 7 last week. So I'm going to pick up in verse 8. We'll go down to 14. And in verse 8 it says, For ye were, past tense, sometimes darkness, but now, boy, he flips the page on us there, are ye light in the Lord. And here's the admonition. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Why did he throw that verse in there right after what he just said about being light? Sometimes it doesn't seem like it has a connection, but it's very connected. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You ever notice how the world has no problem in the world with talking about all kinds of wickedness and vices that are out there, but God says it's a shame to even speak about those things. Verse 13 and 14 will be done there. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And let's pray. God, thank you for your word again and for helping us to know how we need to live and giving us the Spirit of God to do it by so lead us in this message. I pray that you'll take control of this uh, Word of God. May you work it into the hearts and lives of every one of us here this morning. Help us as a church to conform to your image. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've, this is a, a day that I'm probably telling old stories because I told an old one in Sunday school this morning. I'll tell another one here. and Most of you will have heard this. Some will not. But it applies so well to my, to my message I was in my office one day a few years ago, and somebody had needed a, a, a discipleship booklet, and I knew where all the discipleship booklets was that I had it right here under the pulpit, and I was going to grab a couple for them, and, and uh, so I came running out of my office, and, and I don't care what time of day it is, it's pitch black in this auditorium when you walk in, and I'm like, I don't need to turn the lights on, I, I, I know where everything's at in here, and just a little bit of glimmer was coming through, and I could see where the pulpit was, and kind of made my way up uh, the, the first two or three steps here and uh, kind of felt my way around and I'm like under here, I actually turned my flashlight on by then on my phone and was looking under there, found those pamphlets that I needed and I said to myself, you can see how to get around down here and I turned the flashlight off but I had lined myself up toward the aisle right here and I'm like, just take off down here, go right up the aisle, you'll be fine. Turn my flashlight off and I went bounding down the steps and picked up a little bit ahead of steam, and the next thing I know, I was running into this pew right here, and uh, it feels really, really good on the knees if you haven't had that happen in a while. I recommend you try it sometime. I banged my knees, and I was going so fast that I, I was going head over, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And you know, when you hit something in the dark, you don't know what in the world's going on at first, so you know, you do that little, ah, throw your hands up in the air like this, and I kept going, I hit my belly so hard on the top of that wooden pew there, crashed pretty hard, got up, <laughs> kind of staggered out the door out there, and I remember thinking to myself, I know I'm the only Baptist preacher 
who's given himself a C-section in his own auditorium. I had split, my, my belly was so, it was black and blue for a little while. And um, sad part about it, I went through that C-section and never got the baby. It's still there, apparently. So that's what happens when you run around in the dark. Lots of things happen to you when you run through the dark. When you think you can make it in the dark is the time you're not going to make it. I can promise you that. Many of you have your own stories. I'm running through fields with kids playing hide and seek and stuff in the dark and just flipping over things and all kinds of stuff. And uh, really and truly, it, it gets a lot better when the sun comes up or the moon's bright. Um, and, and, and oh, by the way, just so you know, every time I come in the auditorium now, flip the lights on. I don't care. We'll use all the lights just for me to get two little things and walk out of here. So um, let me walk into this a little bit and talk about how important it is to walk in the light. How important it is to walk as a Christian in the light. Um, If you remember, kind of like I've been saying to you, God is showing the Christian church how they're supposed to live out their Christianity. And we are seeing what looks like, and I know guys, when you read the Bible, a lot of times you think, that's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Just a list of things that if I do this, God loves me, and if I don't do that, uh, I, he, uh, I'm, I'm on his bad side. But guys, that's not what the Bible is, and that's not what this is here. I know it can look like that, but in reality, all it is is just a very strong appeal from the Father to his children uh, to, to live out. Be who you really are. Have you ever gone over to, uh, you know, maybe been around a bunch of people in life, and you had to really be prim and proper and try to, to be a certain way, but but then you got to be around family and real close friends. And have you ever gone home after being with a family or that you really loved and, and, and friends, just get in the car and think, you know, it was just so good to just, just be myself. That's what God is saying to us here. I want to teach you how to be yourself, who you really are. I mean, the person that really is on the inside of you, I want to show you how to live that out, and I I want to show you how you can just be so comfortable in your flesh, only Jesus Christ living through your life. Uh, So at the beginning of this chapter we just read, remember this, Paul is challenging these Ephesians and you and me to be followers of God. Look at it in verse 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children. So Number one in this chapter, I know I'm supposed to be following or acting like the word there means to mimic or to be just like God. That's what he's told us there. Followers of God, imitators of God. And last week, uh, God showed us as we worked our way down into uh, chapter five here, how to follow him. And the first thing he brought up was verse two said, well, you guys, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to walk in love. I'm going to have to see you on, and when I look behind me and I'm on my journey of, of uh, leading you, I need to look behind me and see that you are following me, but I need to see you acting out the love of Christ in your life. In this congregation, uh, God says, and I know what God is saying to us here this morning, you need to live out the love of Christ if you're going to follow me, he says. He gets into the second uh, section of this chapter, and now he tells us a new way uh, on top of walking in love he gives us a new way that we need to walk. And he says, I want you to walk in light. Don't walk in darkness. Don't stumble around life. Don't think you can, listen to this, 
figure your way out on your own without the light. You run into things. Life gets really hard when you think you've got it all figured out. And I don't, you know, I'm saved now and I know I'm saved and, and I know that I'm on my way to heaven. But what's all this stuff about reading the Bible all the time and having a prayer time with God? And why are my parents and the preacher and the teachers always asking me, hey guys, have you had your prayer time? Because it hurts when you walk in the dark. And we have been there and we know what happens to people when they think they can make it in this life without the lights, without being in light. So God explains to us over these next several verses, what's the big deal? Why walk in light? I'll give you the ways God brings it out. Number one, he says you need to walk in light, first of all, because of what we used to be. Look in verse 8, can you follow along with me? I'd love it if you're in the Bible and you're looking at it yourself and let God speak to your heart there individually. He said in verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness. You can hit the pause button and look back up here. You used to be a certain way, but you're so different now. But let me just talk about that for a few minutes. Um, Notice this. God did not look at us and say, you know what, guys, Uh, you used to have a real dark side to you. Or, you know, you really practiced some really dark ways. God did not say that. No, if you'll look at it there in verse 8 again, he said, you were darkness. You were the darkness yourself. Uh, went, everywhere you went in life, the, it was darkness around you. I mean, what is darkness other than just the absence of light? That's what darkness is. For a lost man, spiritually speaking, somebody that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, to walk in darkness means you don't have the light of the Word of God. Christ is the light of the world. And so you cannot help but walk in darkness. And it's amazing what people look like, as I've already described a little bit this morning, what it's like when people are walking in, in darkness. Wherever we went, we made it a darker place because we were darkness. We sucked the light right out of things. That's what darkness does. Darkness robs us of our vision. I many times have mentioned the, the Mammoth Cave when we were in Kentucky, I know Carlsbad has uh, Carlsbad Caverns and the Mammoth Cave. They say they really believe that underground, under the earth of the United States, those two tunnels eventually meet somewhere underground. But I remember as a, a young boy, mom and dad brought us as kids on vacation. We went into the Mammoth Cave and I remember after we went down this long, dark shaft and finally got to the bottom and we're walking through these different rooms and they'll turn the lights on and see different uh, brilliant stalagmites and stalactites and all the crystals in the walls and stuff. And I remember him saying, now, you know, there's, uh, there's zero light down here without something that's artificial light. And he said, for example, he said, everybody, take your place. Okay, stay where you're at, I guess. And he just turned out all the lights. And it was one of those darknesses you could just, you could hold your hand right in front of your face. You couldn't see anything. It's just amazing to me how how quickly you can lose perspective and, and we, we, uh, we forget, you know, the true shape of things. And if, if you just start to walk in the darkness, there's nothing to get perspective by. I, I, I can't see depth. I can't see closeness. I, I can't see the shape of things. And it's amazing. You're just kind of feeling your way through life. When you're living in darkness, that's the best you can do is uh, you, you don't know the beauty of things and, and you don't 
You don't know what your eternity is going to be. You're just kind of feeling your way through life, hoping you've kind of got it figured out. You just live really awkwardly. Again, you suck the light right out of things. You make a mess out of your life. You make a mess out of the, the lives around you. You ever tried to walk through the darkness and, uh, and, and, and try to maybe uh, pick something up off the table and you'll, you'll knock a glass of whatever was still sitting there, tip it over and how it makes a mess out of things. And It's just uh, when all of life's distractions are removed and we are able to understand and see how to, how to get around uh, you look down into the heart of somebody, even if you can remove all these dark distractions in their life, they're just full of fear inside because there's no real direction for that person's life. And God says, that's the, guys, that's the way you used to live. You used to walk in that darkness. And because of that, knowing what it used to be like, I mean, do you remember what your life was like before you got saved? Hopefully there was a major transformation, I mean, a major heart change didn't something change inside of you when God came in and, and put a, a a new set of desires inside of you didn't you have this new uh, uh, longing I, I I don't want to live like I used to live and uh, so God says remember what it was like and because of that now walk in light don't be so foolish like you used to be you have the light of the world inside of you now now live like children of light so why walk in light number two because because of our transformation that happened to us. We've kind of been talking about that. And if you look in verse 8 again, he said, For you were sometimes darkness, and some of you can really, really remember how dark it was for you. But I love how God puts the conjunction. I believe the word but is a conjunction. Uh, But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So here's how I want you to walk. I remember what it used to be like and how tough life was back then, but you remember when God touched your soul and changed you and and the light of the world came to live inside of you? Yes, I remember that. Then he says, now live like that. That's the way I want you to be following my life. He turned the lights on for us. As kids, we were allowed to camp out back in the woods, back behind our house. And and, uh, in the morning when you'd go running through the woods, I would always uh, take a stick and I would have it out in front of me and just as I'm uh, running to get to where I'm going, I've got this stick like this running down the path. You say, why would you do that? Because spiders love to build their webs across the path. And the spiders that build their webs across, and they did in our woods, these were not just spiders, they had spines on their back, ugly, nasty things. And if you would run in and you get that spider web in your hair and you're like, oh, that's gross. And then you feel that ugly, spiny spider in your hair. It makes you run really, really fast. <laughs> it's not a good thing. And I remember we were camping out one night and, and uh, we took off running back because we knew the path pretty good. And I'm like, uh, guys, uh, not going to do this without a flashlight. I remember how I just turned that flashlight on and you could see the spider webs and you could see all the things that uh, you didn't want to run into. And I'm just going to say here, praise the Lord, Christ has given us light. He's given us life and allows us to see where to walk and where not to walk. I mean, the blinders have been lifted. And I can tell you, before you get saved, before you know the Lord in your heart and you have no doubt that Christ lives there, didn't you lay there at night and wonder where you're going to be if you died today? I mean, had you heard the gospel? And had you wondered, like, where would I spend forever 
if I, if I never got saved and I never had Christ living in my heart, did you not wonder and worry about that and wonder where I would be if, if somehow, some way, my life was taken today? But I can tell you this right now, without a doubt, when God came in to save my life, I know where I'm going now. Well, how can you really know that? You know, you witness to people and you ask them, do you know if you died today? Are you sure you'd go to heaven? Well, I hope so, but, you know, you can't really know that. Well, to the contrary, you can know that. 1 John 5, 13, he said, I wrote these things that you may know that you have eternal life. And once I got saved, I mean, it's like that light is shining right through to heaven. And I now know where I'm going, and I, I don't have to run through life bumping into all kinds of things that ruins my life and ruins other people's lives, praise the Lord. So again, why do we need to walk in the light? And he gives us other reasons there. Number three, and this may sound a little odd at first, but the reason I'm supposed to walk in light is so that I can have a good fruit supply. A fruit supply? Verse 9, if you look there with me, verses 9 and 10 Look how God describes this. For ye, um, excuse me, for the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable uh, unto the Lord or demonstrating those things that make God pleased with the the life that we are living. So uh, for me to walk in the light, there's a reason for that so that I can have a good fruit supply. Of course, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Guys, listen to this. Please notice that it's the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of the Christian. That's an important statement. I cannot produce any godly fruit on my own and neither can you. It is the work of the Holy Spirit of God that's within us. It's the Spirit of God in our lives that produces that fruit in our life. And so if it's His work, then it's not mine. It's not something that I just have to work really hard at and be the best Christian in the whole wide world, and then, you know, my fruit will begin to grow. Our job is to live a yielded life so that God can live His life through us. Did you hear what I just said? Our job is to live a yielded life so that the Holy Spirit of God can live His life through me and begin to produce the fruit in my life that He wants to produce. I remember back home in Ohio, we had a long garden, and it, yes, it was every bit as long as I've ever told you before. It was forever long. And, um, and one of the jobs that I had was to take out the old rotary tiller, the old tractor. And my dad, once I got old enough to be able to run that, I learned how to start it and choke it and make it run and all those things. Well, the tines on the front would turn and try to turn the, dig up all the dirt, make it loose for the, the crops around there. And if you just took off with that, that rotary tiller would just almost run down the middle of those rows and it wouldn't break the dirt up properly. It needed to go slower. And so there was a rod there that was, I just call it a drag rod. And you would, uh, you know, remove this little um, bolt out of there, drop the drag rod a little deeper into the dirt, put that uh, bolt back in there. And now the rod would dig into the dirt and it would hold things back a little bit so the tines could really dig the dirt up and take its time. But I will tell you this, When I got all done and I was ready to get out of the garden hot and sweaty and the neighbor's bees flying all around me, I wanted to get back to the house. And I got all done. And way at the end of the row, way down here, I pulled that bolt out. I lifted the drag rod so that it wasn't even touching the ground. And that rotary tiller would almost run back to the house. And I just hung on to that thing running back to the house. There's nothing to hold back. 
You know what some of us need to do today is pull up the drag rod, that thing that's holding us back from being able to go on and let God serve uh, through us, and yield ourselves to the Lord. Let God have us. Stop holding back. Stop digging your heels in the ground. It's the greatest life in the world to live when you decide, whether you're a teenager or an adult here today, that I can walk in the light. I I can yield myself to the Lord. It's amazing the fruit that will begin to be produced in your life when you let the Lord have His way in in your life. And, And look at what gets produced when the Holy Spirit has free reign in your life. Look at the fruit that begins to grow. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all, notice these three things, goodness, and righteousness, and truth. Those three uh, things will begin to develop in our life. So goodness, you say, well, I think I know what goodness is. Well, it's the way we treat fellow Christians. Righteousness, another thing that begins to work in you, is the way we follow the Word of God in our lives. That's, That's me living a righteous life, reading the Word of God, and righteousness begins to build in me. And then truth. Again, it's the way we present ourselves to other people. I present a truthful life as opposed to living a lie, like so many of us have done so many times. So let me me give you another news flash here this morning. Please hear this. Fruit is what is produced for somebody else and not for yourself. I know it sounds really odd, but have you ever seen an apple tree eating its own apples? Apple trees produce apples for everybody else around them. Uh, I mean, I've eaten lots of them. Our neighbor, Randy, my cousin, they had this uh, red delicious uh, apple tree in their backyard. And man, we would knock the biggest, reddest ones out of the top. And we enjoyed that fruit, but I never saw an apple tree eating its own apples or fruit being eaten by its own plant. Um, Fruit is what we produce, guys, to be a blessing to somebody else. And if we are walking in the light, it's one of the reasons God's trying to work this into our heart, is if I'm walking in the light and if I'm really in fellowship with the Lord, if I am letting God just live his life, I don't have the drag rod down, God is working freely in my life, the Holy Spirit of God then can come through me and begin to work out the fruit that's in, or fruit into my life that I can be a blessing to you. That's what happens. And the church that finds that out that realizes that, man, if I can just yield to the Lord, if I can let God just have His way, if I can come to church today and say, God, what's my part today? I, I'm, I'm wide open to do whatever you would like me to do here. Uh, then, then the Holy Spirit takes over, and He starts to work, and you'll find out you begin to be a blessing in somebody's life that just really needed you to be a God one and to let Christ really work through your life. It, fruit, again, is what we produce to be a blessing to somebody else. So uh, walk as children of light. How about number four? Why else am I supposed to walk as a children of light? And number four, so that evil may be exposed as sin. Just think about that. Look in verse 11. Drop back down there with me, if you will. Verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful. There goes your fruit, if you're going to do this but have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Okay. Um, verse 12, For it is a shame even to speak of these, those things which are done of them in secret, 
But notice what he says, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Listen especially verse 13, let's read that again. But all things that are reproved or exposed are made manifest, how? Well, when you turn the lights on. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So verse 8 told us that ye are the light of the world. And everywhere we go, when we live a life for God and our light is shining brightly, you know what happens? Men's sins begin to look sinful even to them. I'm not talking about running around and, and pointing out people's sins and saying, you know, if you continue to do that, you know, those cigarettes are going to kill you or, the, you know, you keep taking drugs, you know what's going to happen to your life. I'm not saying that you run around and have to do that to try to expose people's sins. And that's not what God is necessarily saying here either. But what God does say is this, when Christians determine that I'm going to walk in the light and I'm going to live for God and I'm, I'm trying to live out his goodness and his righteousness, I, I'm really trying to live out, you know, those things that's fruit to let God just have me and work through me. When I go to work and I'm living for God, I'm just trying to be a good person. I try to be gracious to people around me. I, I thank people when they do something for me. I, I help somebody when they're in their trouble. I, I try to encourage somebody that's discouraged. When I live out my life in light, it just begins to expose who they really are. They just begin to sense in their life that I... I am so different from that person, and there's something that is so drastically dark about my life, and they will begin to understand. And I'm not saying then that the, all I got to do the rest of my life is just walk around with a Christian smile and shake people's hands, and I'll win a bunch of people to the Lord that way. You understand that, you know, you have to be in action as well. But what I believe God is saying, that when people are walking in the light, and the light shines through your life, Others will not be able to help but see that there's something very dark about the way I'm living. You'll become very desirable in time. And I know it doesn't happen right away, but salt makes people thirsty. And when you're living out the light and the salt of the Christian life, your friends will begin to notice that. They'll begin to desire those things. Guys, they'll see that sacrificial love you're trying to, you know, walk in love, the first point that he brought out. They'll notice how it's sacrificial, that you're really willing to kind of lay your life down for people, and, and you're not so stuck on yourself. And it begins to look like, I, man, I, I wish I could be more like that. And to see the light shining through you, you, you just seem to have a grip on life. Uh, there's something about you that I wish I had. Now, it takes a long time for some people to say that. But that is what will register when I determine that I want to live in the light. It begins to focus. Uh, people can begin to see clearly even about themselves. But if we don't live out our Christianity, our friends will never know the danger that they are in. Uh, remember, they, they, they can't see that drop off that's right in front of them. And, and if we put our candle, as Christ says, you know, don't put your candle under a bed, you know, or, or under a bushel basket. And, and we're, we're too ashamed or afraid to let Christ be seen in us. They, they're never going to know how much they need a Savior. Uh, and I understand. Some people just don't like the light, and I realize that. And, and you've got to be conscious of how strong you're coming on and all of that. When Yvette and I 
rented our first apartment, I think the address was 930 Peach Street, Arlington, Texas. First place we ever owned, but it was ours. We were renting it, and it was an apartment, and it was all we could afford as college students in Arlington, Texas. And it was amazing to us to come home from church one night, and it was dark, and we flipped the lights on, and to see these little things on the wall running and hiding. It was such a great home. We had guests that stayed with us the whole time we were there. And these, they said, well, they're just water bugs, roaches. Uh, they would run in the cupboards. They would run down the bathtub sink. And we're like, as soon as we can get out of this place, we're getting out of this place. <laughs> so they didn't like the light. And as soon as that light came on, those little rascals would run and hide because the, it was scary to them. They were in danger. Their lives were exposed. But if Christians will learn to live out the light in a godly, loving, caring way where it's the fruit of the Spirit being born through you and and people begin to see there is something really different about that family or or about that congregation or about your life, um, you know, it's it's appealing and it's, it's really attractive. And so with all that in mind, it's like Paul comes to a you know, a 21st century church and, and walks into that church and, and says, now, with all that I just said to you, can I also read to you verse 14? Would you look at it with me? Look in verse 14. Wherefore, knowing all the things I just said to you, the good reasons why you ought to walk in the light, he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Guess what? He's preaching to the Christians there. Well, you say, no, that's definitely a message to the lost man. That whole passage is to the saved. It's to a congregation. And what uh, he's talking about is not the people whose eyes are nodding off in a church service. He's talking about Christians who have gotten lulled to sleep. And, and your, your light doesn't mean that much to you anymore. You've lost how exciting it was when you first got saved and God changed you inside out. You've lost the joy and the zeal of knowing uh, just how exciting it was to go and tell a friend that, hey, I got saved. Then to watch them say, what'd you get saved from? What are you talking about? You're acting really different and you didn't care. But you've gotten to a place now where you're lulled to sleep and you, you just don't want people to know about the light and you kind of turn the lights down nice and dim so that you know they can't really tell that you're walking in light, kind of walking in light, walking in darkness. It's kind of dark enough that I can kind of relate to them and they think I'm one of them. And as long as you act like just one of them, nobody's ever going to know what will change their lives until you're determined in your heart to just say I'm going to walk and follow, verse 1, I'm going to be a follower of God, and I'm going to walk in love. And they're going to see what the love of Christ really looks like in my life. Not only that, I'm going to walk in light. I'm going to wake up to the understanding the world needs to see somebody walking in light who understands what their destiny is and why life just makes sense to them and why marriage can sometimes be tough and yet the marriage still makes it. How can that happen to you? Because we are children of light. Now wake up, he says. I think it's a message that American churches need to wake up to what God has for us and begin to live for the Lord and let the world see the light of life. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light.
if the lost man at work or your neighbor had to depend on your life to be able to see truth, would you look just like the others around you who are in darkness? Or can they tell there's something different about your life? Do you have friends that need to see the light? Do you have family who needs to see you living out the light of Christ? You know, when you just live right, you don't have to go running around pointing out everybody's faults and nailing them for what they're doing wrong. If you'll just live a right life, it changes their attitude and their desires that's deep down inside of them. So the question is, and I'm going to give the invitation now, are you one that still have always walked in darkness? I mean, you've never known the light of truth, and you've, you've never known Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never known what it's like to walk up, walk up to Jesus Christ in your heart and, and confess that you are a sinner that's on your way to hell, and, and my life is darkness, but I need the light of Christ to live in me. You've never met, uh, uh, had an opportunity where you've met that Savior I want to challenge you today to understand God wants to save you today. And if we are Christians who have been lulled to sleep and are really not doing the, you know, the things that God has challenged us to do in the Word of God, can we awake to righteousness as the Bible teaches us here once again? Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Begin to live out the life that God has given to us here this morning. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.